You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and in life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And actually, I'd consider changing that to say perception as well. And you'll know more about that as we speak with our guests today, Steph and James Pupura. Now, before I introduce you to those folks and we get into our conversation, let me tell you a little bit about them. Steph and Jane's journey of transformation is really nothing quite short of or extraordinary. Before they met 15 years ago, both of their lives had hit rock bottom, and each was financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. I know that many of us have been there and can relate to that. But at the lowest point in their lives, they actually met and shared a vision of creating life beyond their wildest dreams. Then they went on to help each other to personally evolve, clearing away barriers to self-fulfillment, using the power of perception to change self-limiting beliefs. And this enabled them to better sense and take advantage of opportunities. Fast forward to today, where their award-winning documentary and book, Perception Seeing is Not Believing, is sweeping the personal development and documentary circuit by storm. And today, their goal is to inspire fellow seekers to tap into their unlimited potential through personalized combination of philosophy, science, technology, and community. So think about those, those four cornerstones. That's pretty powerful. So in this episode, you're going to hear a little bit about the paths they've traveled, why they believe the unrealized potential of the individual is both the source and solution for those who find the state of humanity inadequate as it is, and how their work has led to their seminar company, Powerful You. And we're going to talk about a little bit about how to remove barriers and reach our full potentials. So with that, Let me just pause and officially welcome our guests, Steph and James, to the show. Hi, Steph and James. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having us on. Super excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited to learn more from both of you, because when I think about the work you've done and the paths you've traveled, it really is nothing short of remarkable, A, that you met each other and that you've co-created what 
what you have now today and now how you're going out and helping others achieve kind of their their world visions about what they want. But before we dive into learning more about that, let me ask you each, do you have a non-negotiable ritual or practice that you do daily that keeps you heading toward your big vision and goals? Yes. We actually meditate every single morning and we try to get up an hour before the kids do so that we can have that time to meditate together quietly in our bedroom before all the ruckus starts. <laughs> our schedule's been a little bit crazy with COVID and you know homeschooling kids, but it's still a non-negotiable. We get up every day and do it. Yeah, so it's the same answer for me. You know, the one caveat to that would be that we actually do this program called the Listening Program, you know, which is scientifically designed music that really enhances your brain function and moves you into like a a state of performance, and that's by Advanced Brain Technologies, one of our business partners. And so that's something else we do, we both do at different parts of the day, but waking up together and meditating together is really the key. And do you have a standard length of time you meditate, or does that fluctuate day to day? We try to go for an hour. Right, but sometimes it's two. I mean, you know, <laughs> so one of the things you got to know about Steph and I is that when we started this journey together, you know, we would spend night after night after night sitting in our bed, talking about ideas, talking about concepts, you know, meditating together. The issues so, that we had. So we have spent an extraordinary time working through all of the false and limiting beliefs and challenges from our past. So sometimes, you know, we'll be an hour in and we'll get stuck on an issue we're trying to clear. And, you know, we want to work through it before we start our day. James, you talk about like you might find somewhere where you're stuck, that makes me think about a willingness to be open with what's actually going on and being vulnerable. And Steph, I know that's a big point for you, the whole mm -hmm. vulnerability and, and what we think about that. Can we share some of your thoughts around that? So I always equaled vulnerability to weakness, unless it was someone else's. I, I just thought, you know, when I met James, he shared a story with me and I'm like, do people really do this? Do they share their stories with each other? Because I was always running from my story. And until I embraced who I was and what my story was, I wasn't able to change my life. So I think it's super important to be vulnerable with people and most importantly yourself, because if you aren't um, able to connect with who you really are, how are you supposed to live the life that you truly dream of? So I have a question about that. You know, there's the story we tell ourselves, mm -hmm. and then there's our story. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? The oh, they're completely different, right? So how do you they're completely the different? Because I think we spend time telling the story about ourselves, but it's really not our story. It isn't. It isn't our story. And for instance, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, and I let that define me. So the story I told myself was. I was discussing, I wasn't lovable, I wasn't able to have a voice because I was afraid of telling. And so the story I told myself was me beating myself up for years and years until I was able to, you know, tell what had happened to me. So that's tough to beat yourself up every day and be your own, own worst enemy. And I think a lot of us are our own worst enemy, even though we look out into the world and we think that people are judging us and we care what other people think well that's 
it doesn't really matter what people think. It matters what you think about yourself because this is your life and you should live it the way that you, that makes you the happiest. James, would you add anything on to that? So I think it's interesting because you, you, you articulated like the stories we tell ourselves. And so, mm-hmm. you know, an easy question to ask is who are we? Right. And, you know, what I tell people is I've heard the saying, it's like, we are the sum total of our experiences, but that's actually not true because of the laws of perception. What is in fact true is that you are the sum total of your beliefs and your experiences are a reflection of that. And so if we are the sum total of our beliefs and we tell ourselves this self narrative, you know, once that narrative is deep inside of us, that's what starts creating our experience. And, you know, that's where I feel like people get stuck. It's like, what do you need to do to change your life? Well, the easiest, fastest way to do it or to think about it is to rewrite your story. And there is an element of rewriting your story that's very clear. And it's this is that how do you know what's true, right? And what do you, how do you know what's actually true? And so here's what's true, right? In the sense of your life is a reflection of who that you believe that you are in your subconscious and unconscious mind. What's not true is who you believe you are in your conscious mind. And so there's always a contradiction there. And so the key is to kind of filter out the contradictions. And the way you do that is through watching and allowing your emotions to guide you through. Anytime that you have a negative emotional response, it's showing that there's a contradiction between the story your conscious mind is telling you, right? Or, you know, you're, you're telling and your unconscious or subconscious mind. And that's really a process of understanding that your emotions are your guide, guiding light to figure out what's going on inside of you. Okay, so do me a favor and make it really concrete. Because you talked about the subconscious, the unconscious, and the conscious. So make up a story or use as an example of someone who might want to change their story or change their current conditions, right? But they're not even aware of what the subconscious or unconscious story is. They're aware of the moment, right? They're in their cognitive kind of conscious brain. So how do I even start to... I may see my emotion around that, but how do I even start to distinguish, okay, is that me? Is that my conscious belief or where the heck did that belief come from? How far back did it go? Because I get a picture in my head of what you're saying, you know, like the layers and all of that, but like on a day-to-day basis, how might that show up in just a simple interaction with somebody? Well, let's even back up a little bit further than that. I'll make it even more simple. So people are like, well, how do I know what I believe in my conscious, my subconscious and unconscious mind? And I said, well, you look at your life. It's a direct reflection of that. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And so somebody might tell me, well, I have a manifestation mindset. And I'm like, well, you're driving a Hyundai. Not that there's anything wrong with driving a Hyundai, but it's not true that you have a manifestation mindset if you don't have money. And so, well, it feels like I do in my conscious mind. And when in fact you don't, because it doesn't reflect on the outside world. And so what I tell people, a really easy exercise for figuring out what you believe deep in your subconscious and unconscious mind is this. Look at your life. I could look at your bank accounts. and I could tell you what you believe about money. I could look at the quality of your relationships. I could tell you what you believe about relationships. Look at your health, your fitness, right? All of those things. So what's on, here's the underlying principle around perception. 
what's on the inside reflects and creates on the outside. So if you think that you have a manifestation mindset, yet you have no money, that's a clear indication that that thought or pattern hasn't made its way into your subconscious or unconscious mind. So there's some contradiction there. Well, there's massive contradiction, right? And that's, you know, I, I always tell people, it's like, they want to act like life is, a, is like some mystery, but it's actually not a mystery. And it's because they don't understand perception. And so, like I said, it's like the underlying concept behind perception is what you feel and believe on the outside is reflected and creates on the outside, inside, outside. And so your life is a reflection of your beliefs that are in your subconscious and unconscious mind. And so if you're trying to change something and it hasn't manifested outward yet, it's because you haven't gotten that belief deep enough into your mind for it to start shaping your perception. Look, here's a really easy way to explain it. You know, I tell people all the time that, you know, you've never made a bad decision. And people always tell me, well, no, no, I've made a lot of bad decisions. And I say, well, no, you're not actually even capable of it unless you're mentally ill. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, you've only ever actually made a decision with bad information. Well, what's the difference? Well, here's the difference. The difference is you can stop beating yourself up because you're not the problem, right? We all make decisions the same way. We, we evaluate all of the information around us and we make the best decision we can with the information that's available to us. And so if your life isn't what you want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you made the only decision you could with the information that's available. So you can just stop beating yourself up because life doesn't come down to, it's not a you problem, it's an information problem. Well, what's the source of our information? It's our perception and our emotions. And so it's really kind of simple, and this is how I'd explain it. You know, good information leads to good decisions, leads to good outcomes, right? Bad information leads to... Bad decisions, which leads to undesirable outcomes. And so people are running around trying to fix things on the outside when, in fact, the problem was never there. The problem exists inside of them. And that's the law of how perception works. So what were the beliefs or the barriers you had to overcome? Um, I know Steph talks about having helped you write your first um, resume and learn email. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that we demonstrate in our book and our movie is that everybody's on a path to somewhere. And without interruption, you're probably going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. And so for Steph and I, you know, her childhood was full of, you know, it was sexual abuse, abandonment by her father. For me, it was massive amounts of bullying by a teacher, abandonment from my father. And so fast forward the tape a lot of years forward, you know, I'm sitting in a jail cell and I'm locked in there with the person I don't want to be with the most, which is me, and I'm faced with rebuilding my life. And so that's where my journey started. And so essentially what we're trying to demonstrate is that everything about your life makes perfect sense put in the right context. If you and I are equal intelligence and we switch places, then I would probably have almost exactly your life and you would almost have exactly my life. And so it's really about understanding the creative element that goes into building and creating your existence consciously. So I'm, I'm going to test an assumption here. When you came to that realization, as you're sitting with the person you least wanted to be with in your jail cell, what got you thinking to shift? So I didn't. <laughs> so, I mean, this was a long journey. Right. I'm assuming. Right. So, you know, we've actually been together 17 years. I wanted to correct that. It was an old typo. 
Um, but you know, from the time I left jail, I met Steph a year later, but from the time I left jail, it took us nine years of working constantly every day to get to our first million dollars, right? And then another five years to sell our worldwide technology company and to launch what we call now Powerful You. But, you know, when we got together, the only epiphany I had in jail was this. It was like, well, I was writing a list of, of people I felt like it harmed me so I could like give them some forgiveness or something. And one day I looked at the list and I was like, the only common denominator between all those things is me. What if I somehow created it? Well, Steph and I, and she, her story is similar, but different, way different in the sense of neither of us had ever considered the fact that we might be the creators of our existence, right? Like we could create it. And so I really thought about what that meant and I spent time with it and I decided on that day, well, if I wasn't the creator, that meant the world really is a terrible place and I probably don't want to play anymore. But if I was and I could figure out the mechanism, then I could create something magical in its place. And that was the starting point, you know, figuring out how we create our lives. Did you have a, a path you were already following or someone who you were, who was teaching you that or were you working together to discover that? We, we worked together. We didn't follow anyone. This was our own pain. So when he talks about the part in the film where he is in jail, I had a brutal suicide attempt and survived it because I never thought I was lovable. I didn't think the world had anything to offer. So I also had to pick up the pieces of my life and figure out if I really wanted to be here. So we then- Two very broken people who meet. And the only thing we knew was, is that we wanted to grow. And you know, last thing she needed in her life, because she'd been with some abusive men as another loser. I'm getting out of jail, I'm like, hey, so I'm on my way up, right? <laughs> Even though I don't have a car or any money or a place to live, I'm on my way up, right? And she believed me. But it was really about us sitting down together every night, talking. And I mean, one of the first things we decided to do was like, hey, well, we should just tell ourselves we love ourselves. And it was like, how many times we do that? Like a million, right? Because you tell yourself, I love myself. And you hear this voice like a liar. Right? <laughs> and it's like, you're so, you know, it's like after a while, it feels like less of a lie. And so one of the chapters in our book is like the long way home. And what it what, it starts off saying that sometimes when you go the wrong way, you find the right way inadvertently. And that's our story is that we made all the mistakes. And the point of writing the book and True. doing the movie was that we could sh save people about eight years. That's a good savings. I think so. <laughs> but what is so great is that what you come upon, you know, we can laugh about it. And I only laugh because I've been there and I'm thinking, Yep, it does feel silly when you first start that you're thinking, okay, maybe I'm just nuts. I don't know, but let's give it a shot. And um, but it's so powerful. And yes, often you do find the right way after some dead end streets and all of that. But I also thought it was well, and you have to start from somewhere. You, you know? do, and that was the place that we started because we didn't know where else to start. We didn't follow anyone. We didn't, you know, have any books of anyone's we read like we wanted to figure this out by ourselves and figure out how you actually create happiness and if it if it was in fact possible because I was always depressed and sad and and I didn't want to live that way anymore well it sounds like both of you came to that decision separately right mm -hmm. like yeah you, I mean James you were asking yourself or saying hey if the world's really this crummy I don't know that I want to be here but let me right. see what I can affect and right. Steph 
you actually challenge the world, like say, hey, I'm out of here if it's this bad. Right. Um, and then made a different choice mm-hmm. going forward. That's really courageous. I'm curious now, given all you've done and the path you've been traveling, what effect has that had on your kids? Do you notice them differently as a result of how you all show up in your practices? And if you don't mind my asking. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and there's, they're, they're really positive about the things that we're doing and helping people. You know, my 10 year old, I'm like, what do we do? And he's like, you help people. You know, they're upstairs right now <clears throat> working on some homework and stuff. I'm like, hey, we're on podcast time. So they know like they're really respectful about our time and they actually really love coming to our events. And, you know, our event was the reason that we filmed a movie because we, we actually filmed our personal stories to be relatable to the audience to show that, you know, there's these two people that have this path and we tied them into speakers content to just really elicit feelings in people to realize that they're not alone. And when we filmed them, when we finished our first event, we realized, you know, we kind of have a film here, a documentary and a book almost written. So it took us another six months to finish writing and filming everything. And it's, it's not something that we ever planned. It's just, we were open to that path and it just kind of landed in our laps. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. Just create kind of a framework so that people who are listening to this who maybe have not yet either seen the documentary or are aware of the book Describe the book a little bit and how people move through it. So the book and the movie have the same title, which is Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. And they more or less take the same path. The only difference is is in the movie, you know, we do tell our personal stories and we each have content in there, but we do bring in some friends and different teachers to fill in the content where the book is all of our content. And so essentially, you know, it's kind of what I talked about at the beginning is everybody's on a path to somewhere. And so essentially by telling our story, we're out, you know, in between telling our story, we're, we're sharing content with people. So the book reads a lot like a novel, right? And people say they can't put it down. And, you know, it's the same with the movie. It's, it's winning awards all over the country. It even won best film at the LA Film Festival, right? I mean, it really is a moving picture. And so what it does is it takes people on a journey of personal evolution. It doesn't, it's not saying, okay, here's content, right? Or here's a story. It's here's content and here's how we leverage this piece of content to deal with this belief or idea so that as our stories unfold and the content ties into it, that you'll see exactly how those stories and content, you know, move into your own lives. So now how does that work with uh, powerful you? When, so are those are in-person events, right? Seminars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we, do do... Have, we do have events and then we do have coaching um, right now. We have free events online every Tuesday and Thursday on our Facebook Live. Um, you know, right now the movie, we've just put it out for free. So people can just, you know, we can just help people. The book's been for free. We really, really just want to help people discover their path and who they are. 
And are you finding people um, are reaching out to you more now during our times where we're kind of on social isolation and lockdown? Do you see people seeking more at this time or is it pretty much the same as it's been? No, for sure they are. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, I wrote a, a free ebook to deal with help people break free of fear. I'll put it in the chat before we're done so you can share it. But that, in you know, we have on our website, and I gave you the link, we've developed like five or six free pieces of resources to help people move their lives forward. And as this thing continues to unfold and more and more people you know, start losing their jobs and things like that. You know, we're just trying to be as open and as loving and as supportive as we can for people as a part of that. And so we have all the free resources. I mean, we've got, we've got the ebook, we've got the regular book, you know, which is also an audible. We have the movie. We actually have a, a, like a Netflix for personal development, a content platform. We have an assessment that'll teach you exactly which beliefs you're stuck on like we said, coaching, um, you know, masterminds. I mean, we've developed a lot of content and when people get into it, it really transforms them. And the, one of the greatest compliments we got is a couple of weeks ago I was on a podcast with a, a world renowned doctor therapist. And he said that he is now telling all of his patients to write, read our book three times in the first year and all of his friends and family. And when I asked him why he said, it's because, after 30 years of practice, this is the first book that boils everything that I know down into the most simple, easy terms for people to understand. And you have to read it three times because you'll never be able to get all the information out of there in one read. And if we go back and think about how you came to that understanding, it was on your own through seeking and understanding deeply. So, right, there's no mm -hmm. parroted information in there. This no, is this is, this is like content. us reverse engineering our experience to go, okay, what happened here? Because it's like, you know, it was like tweaking and refining, tweaking and refining, tweaking and refining until the point where we, we knew how to consciously create in the outside world. But, you know, part of the, in the book, there's a, there's a chapter called Money, Money, Money. And it's like, we didn't believe that money didn't create happiness. When we got to a million, I looked at her, I'm like, you happy? She's like, nope, I'm like, me either. So we went to two million and I'm like, you happy? She's like, nope, me either. And so we actually reinvested our time to figure out what creates happiness. And so, you know, I think in this world, people feel like they're made to choose between material, you know, happiness or material wealth. And so what do we get? We get a bunch of rich people that are miserable and a bunch of poor people that are, or a bunch of spiritual people that are happy, but broke. And so we believe you can create both at the same time. And it comes down to, you know, creating in the outside world is about changing a perception of what the world means after it comes out of your mind. And creating on the inside world is changing your emotional response to the things that have happened to you in the past. So you said that very quickly and very smoothly. And I'm going to ask you to say it again, because I think that is a, an important nugget that we we, I, and, uh, and listeners really need to hear clearly and hone in on. So right. That's what, I mean, just to be clear, that's what the whole book and movie is about. But let me give you the, just an easier way to think about it. Creating in the outside world, creating stuff is about changing your ideas about yourself and the world around you. A simple example would be like, you know, everything happens in my best interest, which keeps your field of perception open to see more opportunities. And so you start shifting your ideas about what something means to mean the most empowering thing. 
So everything that's going outside of you and the assumptions you make about it, you have to ask yourself if, if your assumption serves you, if it's moving you towards or away from your goal. So that's creating in the outside world. When you're creating on the inside world, the way perception works is your perception goes into your past to source the past to predict what's going to happen next. And so we think that we see reality, but what we see is just our mind's construct of what we think reality is. But every time your perception kind of works like a Google search, goes into your past, it tries to find the, the memory that's most or closest related to what you're experiencing now, and it delivers that as meaning. Well, those memories actually have emotions tied to them because we don't understand the meanings of emotions. Those emotions get repressed and stuck in past experiences, which actually kind of live in your body. That's why we have anxiety in our body. And so what we did was we developed this thing called the emotional integration technique, which goes into, allows you to go into your past experiences and imprint a new emotion, right? So the next time you have your perception pulls that experience to dictate what's going to happen next, it comes with a different emotional response and you get out of this really up and down emotional drama path that people are stuck in. Thanks for clarifying that. It brought to mind to me a gentleman God, I was in my mid-20s, I think, and I was doing volunteer work at a, a rape crisis center, but I had to testify, right? And I'm a behind-the-scenes volunteer. I do not want to be out front testifying, but I've got to be there because the person I'm supporting is going to be there. He goes, no, you got to come, and I may put you on the stand. I said, I can't. No, I can't do that. I'm, I said, just even talking to you about this is freaking me out. And he, and he just looked at me and goes, that's just because you're thinking about it wrong. And I said... I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the only possible way there is to think about getting on a stand in a courtroom and challenging somebody, right? Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. But then I, you know, so I'm thinking, but I've got this woman who's counting on me. He said, Sarah, I'm going to tell you, he was a DA. He says, there's never been a time I've walked in a courtroom that I haven't felt nervous. And he goes, even today, after years and years of practice, I walk in there and he goes, but here's how I think about it. If I'm not nervous, I simply don't care enough to be there and I shouldn't be there. So think about those nerves as butterflies, put them in formation and I'll see you at court. And, but honestly, I was in my mid twenties and I'm thinking, okay. So that whole nervous energy, he totally reframed for me. And it was just like, I was scared. He goes, get it in formation, girl, you know, and I'll be there. I, he basically said, there's nothing going to happen. I ultimately, I never had to testify, right? It got resolved right in the moment, but, um, but it was that shift. It was a total reframe of understanding something in a different light that actually never hit me in that same way again, but it has played up when, you know, anything new where you have to be that visible and vulnerable, it's like, been there, done that, right? I still hear his voice telling me that. So when you talk, James, about making a different meaning about things and really understanding the emotions and applying a different lens to it, um, it's really powerful. And sometimes, and that's the beauty of your work, is we can't, when we're in it, see that ourselves. And so having coaching and the clarity that you bring is powerful. Yeah, and we put all that in the movies. I mean, Steph's got a really good understanding. Like, for her, it was about changing her self-narrative. Like, you know, how did you? Well, and, and I mean, the story I tell is it's, um, I believed I was unlovable. And there's actually a quote by Mel Robbins that says, even if no one loves you, you're still lovable. And, you know, that really makes you think because 
you have all these um, stories and perceptions that you tell yourself and, and that are going on in your mind that you aren't lovable. You know, if, if the one person on the planet was supposed to love me, which was my dad, leaves, what does that say? So I grew up believing that I was unlovable. So I created relationships that were terrible because that's what I believed I would I deserved. It wasn't until that I stopped and I questioned if this is what I really deserved or if that's just what I was telling myself. You know, so I think when you talk about steps, I think the first step is always to be open um, because if you're closed, you're, how are you ever going to create anything good? So the first step I had to do is actually be open and have an honest conversation if I really wanted to live, if I really wanted to be here, if, if there's true happiness out there, what I wanted for my life because I felt like a victim and I didn't, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to play on that anymore. You know, I just was tired of being the victim and tired of being the person that was sad and depressed. And it wasn't until I could start questioning those things. You know, I actually got out a piece of paper because people say, how did you do it? And I actually got out a piece of paper and I started writing. So however, you know, you, your listeners or anyone wants to do it is up to them, but really, because when you write down, there's so much power in writing and seeing what you want for your life. Because, you know, if you're just letting the world dictate who you are, you know, you remain that victim. So I always say the first step is to actually just be open. James, would you add anything to that as a suggested first step? So, I mean, you know, I, openness really is it. But, you know, I tell people all the time and it's like, we need to be open. What do I need to be open to? The fact that you're wrong. What am I wrong about? Just about everything. everything. Right? <laughs> Just about everything. everything. And it's like, that's where you have to start. And here's why is because people don't realize if you know everything, everybody's always trying to be right, right? If you know everything, then your life right now is as good as it's ever going to get, right? And so the only way to learn and grow is to be open. You know, there's this idea around, well, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. And so, you know, I always have this kind of like narrative. It's like, well, if you're asking yourself the question, if you're good enough, you never look in the past to ask that question because you were in fact good enough to get to where you are. And so if you plan on staying in this place, then you're, then you're good enough, right? You don't, you can stop asking it. But if in fact you want to move forward and learn and grow, then you're not good enough, which is why you want to learn and grow in the first place. So stop. Why are we even asking the question? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like we get into these silly loops. And essentially, here's kind of what happens is, is that what people don't understand is that, you know, when you have a belief about something, that belief shapes your perception, shapes your perception shapes what you see that you know, dictates your decision. And then, you know, what happens is that belief starts looping on itself. And so you can look at your life and see all the patterns. You have a relationship pattern, a money pattern, a, a health pattern. It's like, in order to break free of that pattern, you have to get into questioning, you know, what beliefs are causing this pattern. And so I think that a lot of people who want to change, think about it in the way of habits. I need to change a habit. And it's like, Okay, well, you know, if change was about habits, then it would be great, but it's not. And so what we have to understand is beliefs drive habits. And so if you don't, if you change at the level of habit, which is the level of effect, and you don't change the underlying belief, the second you take your conscious attention off changing the habit, the belief will come in and reset the habit. 
right? And so that's why change fails and, you know, people gain weight back and, you know, second marriages fail. And, you know, the rate of change, failure of change is 70%, or actually it's 97% fail, 90% fail out of the gate. And then 70% of those who gain everything they want, give it all back in the end. Because the underlying belief never changed. Exactly. Because they're trying to change at the level of effect. You have to start off the change process by saying, what belief is driving my behavior with X? And once you understand the belief, then you work on the belief as you're changing the habit. But if you just go into it unconsciously, there's no way to know if you actually change the belief. Which we did, for the record, a million times. Oh, you know how many and times I, we worked through an issue? Like, and why we would are we say, back here? Why are we back here? You know, we would work through something and like... Why do I still feel this? Why do I still feel unlovable or not good enough? Because, you know, I didn't really dig down as far as I thought. And it, I mean, it really is brutal work. It really is to work on yourself. It's humbling. Especially if you start with nothing. Now, if you read our book, it'll be a lot easier. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like you've given us all um, kind of a jump start on it, on the process. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of work is humbling work to do because you, James, when you said the one thing you have to be open to is that you're wrong about mm -hmm. everything. Absolutely. I mean, so when we first started this journey, just to be clear, we weren't changing the old beliefs because we didn't know how we just crammed enough good stuff on top of the bad stuff for the good stuff to start outweighing the bad stuff. And it started showing up in our lives, but we didn't get rid of it. It was more like we put a lid on it. And so when we went to turn around to figure out how to create happiness, that's when we started taking these old beliefs and figuring out how to get rid of them. And I always say to James, we really unleashed the monsters when we did that. <laughs> because there was a, there was a lot of your own, just like I said, you're your own worst enemy. And that really, it really came out. Your enemy comes out to fight you because you you're trying it. to say, I want to be happy. And, and your ego or your victim pops out and was like, no, you don't. You want to stay this person. You want to be miserable. You want to be sad. And so you really have to fight it. And it's hard work. You know, if we all started at that gut-wrenching hard work without kind of even going, okay, well, I can shift. Mm -hmm. I do see shift. We might not ever get there, Steph, you know. And and you also, the sure. the beauty of having each other to kind of stick with it is important. If someone doesn't have someone like you had, there are ways to get support. You guys are support for people who may not right. have support. And you've got generously so many resources already on your website available to us all. Yeah. So, because it can feel isolating, you know, especially if you're trying to do this work on your own and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. We always say that we continuously grow and the only person that we don't leave behind is each other. You know, we'll always wait for the other person to clear whatever's going on because we, we really are kind of each other's counselors. Like, you know, we come to each other with our problems. I'm like, I'm stuck. I need help. This is how I'm feeling. And at first it's like, you know, the first time I said, you know, I don't feel lovable. I felt like that was so awful to say that out loud to voice actually to someone like I think and I think that's also a first step actually you know if you have a partner someone a friend or even you know a therapist or someone to admit how you truly feel inside you know instead of concealing that and feeling like you're alone and you have no one to talk to and it seems when we hold stuff inside we man we magnify how big it is 
Oh, yeah. Like, oh my God, if I tell so-and-so I don't feel lovable, oh, Mm -hmm. it's the end of the world and this. Mm -hmm. And yet you say that to them and especially if you preface it, I've got something I really need to talk about. It's really serious. And then you say that and they're kind of waiting. Okay. One of Steph's favorite sayings to tell people is, your story only has power over you while you hold it inside, right? As soon as you let it out. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's gone. It doesn't it's, have it's anything. Not that over. Bad. Yeah. And so, I mean, just to be clear, you know, this wasn't, wasn't easy, right? It was like, this put a big strain on our relationship, right? There were times because what people don't really understand is that when you're dealing with issues, what happens is when they surface, you project them on somebody. Well, who do you project them on? The person who's closest to you. And so you're looking across the room at the person you love most in the world. And you're literally like, I hate you right now. <laughs> Right. I mean, literally, it was like, I hate you. Like there's, it's like, I can laugh now, but there's been uh, some really uh, hard, sad days for sure. Yeah. No, I know. It was tough work. And you know, it's worth mentioning, by the way, if you want to grow and your spouse doesn't, you need to understand that's probably going to be the end of your relationship. Right. Unless they maybe read our book and understand that all the trauma and chaos that's coming outside of you has nothing to do with the other person with the other person right they can just allow it to be your stuff it takes a pretty wise human being to be able to step outside of that and say oh this is i'll just not get involved in whatever's going on here (laughs) well it's so tough because you're making like i we would tell each other you're making my emotions about you (laughs) you know and, and you're getting upset or angry but this is how i feel and you're making my emotions about you and you're taking them personal. So I think that's another step is realizing that people have the right to feel their emotions and you don't have to take them personal because it's not about you. Yes. And that's, I think that's, it's easier to understand once you've had to do that than mm-hmm. it is to like get it when someone says it's not about you. It, if you're in that place of taking it personal, it always feels. Then like you're that. like, no, it is about me. It is in fact about me. I feel attacked right now. Yeah, And we've had that so many times that we really had to come to a place and say, you know, even sometimes now something will come up and I'm like, this isn't about you. You know, you're, you're, I'll tell him you're an amazing husband. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's, you know, what I still feel inside. So we, we still work every single day together on things because we never want to stop growing. We never want to stop evolving. You know, we'd never get to a place where we're just like, okay, we're good now. Like I always want to grow. I always want that growth, and so does he. Yeah, and emotions, so the two topics we really cover in depth in our book are perception and emotions, and the underlying principle behind emotions is this, is that, you know, so often because we're not taught how to deal with emotions, we project our emotions, we make our emotions about other people, and then we make their emotions about us, and so it's like, you're making me mad, nobody can make you anything, right, and then it's like, oh, they're mad, they must not like me. And so the first key is to stop making your emotions about other people. It's like when you feel something and somebody says something or does something to trigger an emotion inside of you, you need to understand that lives inside of you, right? And that's that's where you go to work, not, oh, hey, you, you know, and, you know, make it about them, so... Okay, so here's what I know for a fact. I have so appreciated you guys sharing, A, who you are and how you are and the journey you've traveled, Um, the many resources on your website, which for folks, when you're listening, those will all be listed. So don't worry about it. We'll have them. You'll have click through so you can get there. And I've enjoyed just your um, genuineness 
of how you come across and just the fact that you both chose to be here. So thank you so much for I having just want me, to thank We enjoyed it. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.